0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnyTime.com. Tonight, uh, we are learning with Wash the Matu Chaba Bat Chaya Esther as well as to all the people in Israel that need uh, Refuel Shleimah from all the attacks, as well as Leilu Nishmat, the, oh, unfortunately now it went up to 1,300 um, uh, holy souls that lost their lives during this uh, this war, as well as Leilu Nishmat to Reb Avram ben Chaim Yehuda and Yechaskol ben Reb Avram. So, I want to give a disclaimer. That this class, this year, is not for everyone. And there will be a lot of uh and um, I'm, I'm trying not to make it gory at all, but there will be a lot of of news in here, and some people it makes them very anxious. Even though the real reason why I'm giving this year with a title that uh you know, if if you joined you really you kinda know what the title is. If you click this year, you probably know already what the title is. But the reason behind this title of of people supporting Hamas people supporting the Palestinian Authority is because it you know has come to my attention from a few different sources that people have a lot of anxiety over this and uh that is one of the reasons that I decided to speak about it and the anxiety is what's going to be with the world like what is the world going to say better yet about Israel about the Jewish nation and um the anxiousness that people get over this and we'll soon go into great detail on why that anxious uh, uh comes about and for for kind of good reason uh this share is really for them for people that and, and i'm going to bring a lot of sources from the news media, that's not the Jewish uh, news media, um, and that's really where the anxiety comes in. So the disclaimer is, for those people that are not familiar what's going on in the world regarding the non-Jewish news media... Um, and you don't have any anxiousness on this. There's no reason for you to listen to this class. Skip it. Go to the next one. Even though the information at the end of the class is very important for everyone, uh, but I don't want to give anybody any extra anxiety, uh, that is, uh, that is not, uh, that is not needed. So with that being said, since this massacre happened, since the, the 1300, Uh, You know, Israelis that were murdered, the men, women and children, the world in general, in general, was on Israel's side to a certain extent. Uh, That quickly changed. Even while the bodies were still warm, the, the, there has been a, a change in the tide and that change has been continuing. It's something that I thought would happen. I hope that wouldn't, but I thought it would happen and I see that it's happening more and more. Uh, you have people that are smart enough and they look at the evidence in the world and they see, okay, you know, like it looks like Israel is right in this whole, and, and I'm not talking about Jews. I'm talking about like the, the secular world that doesn't know what's going on. But now that they see a massacre of 1300 people in the most brutal way possible. Now they come to the realization. Okay, fine. You know what? Maybe what Israel was doing until now was the most humane thing possible. And there are a lot of people that have that that seichel that that intellectual understanding. And you know, Baruch Hashem that for you know for them. And it's also you know it's also you know Baruch Hashem that it's the leaders of the countries that have this mindset from anywhere from America to European countries. However, the population in the same countries that the government is supporting israel is very very divided and you have many people that are supporting palestinians that are supporting hamas Uh, Better yet, and you're gonna you could ask yourself, how is it possible? How does this make sense that someone sympathizes with a suicidal murderer? With with you know, there's a lot of words that I could say about what these people are, but that is the the nicest thing that I could say about them is that they're a suicidal murderers. So how can you begin to sympathize and 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 you look at the world? You look at the protests. You look at the rallies. You're like, for supporting this organization, this uh, this terrorist group, this this uh, people as a as a whole. You like, how how does this make sense? How are people able to come to this conclusion with what's going on in the world? And the the sad truth is, we don't even begin to know of what and how the world really really feels. There was a interviewer that went around in New York City going around to people in Manhattan and interviewing them, asking them. This is a, this is not recently. This is like a, a, maybe a day or maybe a few days after the attack. And they he went around asking people, just interviewing random people in the street. What Hamas did was it justified. And they ended up speaking to 30 people in New York City. And the astonishing number that came out is 28 out of that 30 said, yes, what Hamas did was justified. Now, many don't know the gory details of what happened in that massacre where terrorists went and brutally murdered 1,300 men, women, and children. But whatever you think could be the worst thing that could happen to a person, to a woman, to a child, they did that and more. Like, that's the level I do not want to get into gory details. I have the gory details. I do not wish to share the gory details because I don't think that's beneficial to our, uh, listeners. But the, the goriness is beyond comprehension. And this is not something that's hidden. This is something that is very well known. Yet, you still have 30 out of the, 28 out of the 30 people said, yeah, what Hamas did was justified. I don't know if I can come to any conclusion where I can say, yes, it's justified to murdering babies. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe in, in a far imagination, but I don't know how 28 people can come to the just justification and to the conclusion that Hamas was justified. Yet, this is what's happening. This is how people feel in New York uh, City. Again. Do not want to cause you anxiety. If this is causing you anxiety, I would either say stop the class, listen to a different class, or skip all the way to the end. Because that's where we discuss the reasoning behind this. But let's go on a little bit further. The protests. When George Floyd was murdered by a policeman, there were riots supporting throughout the entire world. One man was murdered. The entire world was was rioting to support, not obviously supporting the death, but so you know supporting that that rioting that this was bad and there's something that has to be done for it. There was a death of over a thousand people in Israel, and within a few hours after the attack, there were rallies. There were there was rallies that were supporting not the victims but supporting the terrorists. There were rallies across uh, across the world. In Sydney, there were rallies that said, Gaz the Jews. Now, it wasn't a rally that said, Free Palestine. They were chanting, Gaz the Jews. There were rallies in the following countries. Some will shock you, and some will not. Yemen, not a shocker. Iran, not a shocker. Pakistan, not a shocker. Moroccan, Morocco, not as much of a shocker. United States. There was rallies supporting Hamas in the United States, Bangladesh, Canada, United Kingdom, India, Australia, Kuwait, and Iraq. Some of them you would think, okay, it makes sense. Some of them you'd be like, wait, what? These are my neighbors. These are the people that I live with. These are the people that are near me. And you know what they're screaming at these rallies? They're screaming, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Now, this is what they're chanting and let me explain to you, most people don't know what that means. What's from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. This is referring to from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea, that Palestine will be free. This is a territory that's Israel. They're saying that, what What are they saying, and this is not from me, this is from the ADL, the anti. it's an anti-hate organization, that this is how they're coming out to explain what this slogan means, that... From the river, from from Jordan to the Mediterranean, meaning the entire Israel should be free, but not free Palestine. As in, like, let them be free because they're in a sense they're free to, to a big extent of what they can do more than many Israelis. But we're not going to get into that. But what they're referring to is free from the Jews. Palestine. What they want is to be free from the Jews. Meaning they don't. What What does it mean freedom? It doesn't mean freedom that they're able to do whatever. They they want no Jews. So when people are chanting, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. The meaning behind it, the simple meaning behind it, that means free from Jews. Death to the Jews, remove all the Jews, get rid of the Jews. And people are going and they're chanting in these rallies, in democratic countries, in dictatorships and everywhere in between. And people come for to excuses. They the people come to excuses in the, the you know for the for these for these terrorists. They have no choice. They are born. You know. You know that they're, they're, they're one of the, the saying. They're born dead. And what else could they do but fight back? And and what you know how these twisted minded people? What they're saying is, oh, this is something that is heroic. What they're doing? I don't know how somebody in their right mind can come and say. What they did was heroic. Murdering innocent women and children. I, I don't know how you can say it. They, don't, they didn't, weren't fighting against the army. They were fighting against civilians. And if you think, okay, wait a minute, they have no choice. Every single peace talk... Okay, Whether I agree with it or not, you could look at some of my previous classes, my my stance on peace is very, very clear. But regardless of that, every single peace talk that the Israeli government did with the Palestinians, the Palestinians walked away. They didn't counter and say, you know what, we want this, but not this, and then we'll do peace. No, no, no. They walked away. You want to know why they walked away? Because from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They don't want Peace. They want no Jews. That's what they want. And they're very, very clear about it. And if you think, okay, you know what? It's the Arabs, and they're siding with their own. And it would make sense. You would side with their own. But it's not. It's the liberal left. It's Americans. It's Canadians. It's Australians that are not Islamic, that are not Arabic. And they are siding with these people. And you're coming to a question that's very, very appropriate. And that is how? How? It's so obvious. There was just a massacre. How are you supporting terrorists? If this terrorist would have done, you know, even a small percentage of what they did to Israel, to any of these rioters' families, they would denounce them from today until tomorrow. So what happened now that it's against the Jews that our people are siding with the terrorists? And that is what people are talking about. This is what people are asking, and this is what brings people anxiety. But as anything that we do, and whenever we look at current events, there's always lessons that we have to take away. And before we answer the how, we have to stop for a second and look, you know, do we look at our own lives the same way? We say this is so obvious that Israel is on the right. This is so obvious, like only an idiotic anti-Semite would see the otherwise. So... How could they? How, how could they, how could they, how could they side with that? It's so obvious. But if we stop for a second and we look into our own lives, how many things are so obvious in our lives, and yet we tend not to see it? How many things are so obviously and clearly Yad Hashem, the hand of God, and yet we don't see it? How many things are so clearly that we know it's wrong, we shouldn't do, yet we don't see it? How many things are clearly that we should do and we don't see it? So we always have to stop for a second, and we're going to get into a lot more detail, but I wanted to stop for a second and say, maybe this is something that we could look into our own lives. Maybe this is something that we could see in our own lives that is as clear as day as we're telling other people, it's so clear, how can you be so blind? Then maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us, how can you be so blind? It's so clear. And each one can interpret that in their own ways, in their own lives. But let's take it a step further. Last night, on October seventeenth, at about seven p.m. local time in, in Israel, there was a hospital in Gaza that was hit with a missile. Now, this is—I'm sure every single person is aware of this situation. Every single person heard about this. This missile, just for clarity's sake, landed in a in the hospital parking lot. It didn't land on the building. It landed on the parking lot. There has been days upon days on debates on how many terrorists killed, you know, how many, how many Israeli people or babies and, and women were killed in these terrorists. Well, you know, was it this amount? Was it was a 1300? Was it 1100? Was it 700? Was it 300? Days and days coming to a calculation and tallying up how many, how many Jewish people were killed during this massacre. Within... A half hour, and I'm being very generous by saying a half hour, because it really has been within minutes. But let's say within a half hour, the entire, I shouldn't say entire, the majority of the media, not the Arabic media, the world media, came out and said that 500 people in Gaza died from this attack on the hospital, and who did they blame it on? None other than Israel. It was an airstrike. They were very clear what it was. It was an airstrike that went and targeted a hospital and killed. Within minutes, they were able to somehow do a tally doing a, a, a some sort of rain man shtick. And they were able to say, oh yeah, we see over here 500 people die. Over 500 people died. And, you know, all the news media jumped on this. Not to use this as any example, but whenever I do uh uh you know a class, I do research I do research from all areas. Um, and Al Jazeera, which if you don't know what that is, good. Don't look it up, don't know about it. It's garbage. Uh no, you know what? Garbage makes it look nice and good. It's less than that. Al Jazeera, the, the uh the, the, the title was a massacre. They they <laughs> oh they gotta use the same word, right? A tit for tat. Massacre. Israel kills five hundred in Gaza hospital strike. Not too long after that, there was a journalist from that same said company, organization, Al Jazeera. The name of this journalist was by the name of Farida Khan. She was working in Gaza, and she posts on social media that she saw with her own eyes that it wasn't an Israel airstrike. This was very, very shortly after this attack. It was a Hamas-Ayesh 250 rocket. And she writes in her post that Al Jazeera is lying. The truth of the matter, and this came out a little bit later, Israel went and did some research on it. It turns out that Islamic Jihad, another terrorist organization in Gaza, not only Hamas is over there, also Islamic Jihad, they blew up the hospital. How did they blow up the hospital? It was obviously an accident and they were aiming, they wanted to kill Jews. And one of their rockets didn't make it into the Jewish territory and landed in Gaza and ended up in this, uh, you know, in, in the, in the parking lot of, of, of Gaza. Now, this information came out, and everybody was aware when this information came out, that Israel was not responsible for this attack. Yet, at this point, when all this information came out, American news media including CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, BBC. (laughs) I've done too much research on this. I am not interested. I don't enjoy this type of research. But they all came out with what? With a similar title. And the title was, Palestinian and Israeli official are at odds over who is to blame for the devastation. Now, this is after everything was confirmed. Now, when I say it was confirmed, that means with proof. What is the proof? that this came into being, that this was not Israel, and you'll soon see why I'm bringing up all this information and getting so much into current events. Why was this so obvious? The proof, what came in All different facets. It came in visual, meaning they had video. And it wasn't IDF video. They have a video, I believe it was Channel 12. I don't know from where. You know, it was just a news outlet. It wasn't a Israeli news outlet. It was either some sort of foreign news outlet that they had a camera pointed at Gaza for, you know, just to see what's going on. And they released the footage. And the footage shows that you see from Gaza... Bunch of missiles shooting out towards Israel, and one of them didn't make it; landed short and blew up. And you see an explosion over there. This came out with visual proof, and if that wasn't good enough, there was radar. There was uh, there was the Israeli the the IDF sent out uh, another clip with radar showing on how this was from Gaza and not from Israel. And if that wasn't enough. The IDF released a taped phone conversation, or better yet, a tapped phone conversation between two Hamas uh, terrorists, confirming that it was from their own. And this is widely available on all news media. It's widely available. Yet... This happened yesterday, right before the class. I was a little bit late because I wanted to to see, like, okay, maybe they changed their mind. I went really quickly, right before, right before we started this class. What, so what's the world saying about this particular thing? And I looked at news media and you know what they're showing? The secular world? The devastating Gaza hospital blast, I'm quoting, is shrouded with uncertainty. And the, the title continues. Here's what we know and here's what we don't know. Wait a minute uncertainty, like what more proof do you need? How much more proof do you need? You have visual, you have audio, you have visual from different levels of visuals for crying out loud, yet somehow people are like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, maybe, you know, the Palestinians, Hamas is saying that it's Israel. Oh wait, Hamas, let's think about it. Hamas, the people that are terrorists, the people that have nonstop been lying about everything that they're doing, they're saying it's Israel's fault. Yet Israel is saying, no, wait a minute, we have proof showing A, B, and C, D that it's very clearly not Israel's fault. And now it's, it's a mystery. We don't know. Now when you're coming and when you're looking at this information, you'd be like, wait a minute, what, how? How can somebody with a head on their shoulders come to a conclusion and say, we don't know? These are journalists. These are people that are supposed to, you know, present the information. How can they come to a title that say that it's uncertain? And now Gaza health officials, whatever that means, uh, Hamas, uh, you know, basically is basically telling them. They're, they're claiming that it was 400 people that, were, that died from the blast. And if you look at the blast, you look at the pictures. This is a missile that landed in the parking lot. There's a small hole in the parking lot, really small hole. You have some broken glass, maybe an exploded car. But that's about it. The, the hospital still stands. Everything else in the surrounding still stands. If Israel wanted to destroy... I, I don't know if you've seen the videos. If Israel wants to destroy a building, it's down within two seconds flat. No, that's not an exaggeration. Within two seconds, it's flattened. If they wanted to destroy the hospital, there would not be a hospital. The fact that you can think of it like, oh, this would be the biggest fail. The biggest fail. And now you have all this news media that's coming to this conclusion that's saying that, oh, it's Israel. Israel is doing it. And like we know, anything that we, we do in this world has effects. It has a repercussion. If you help someone do a mitzvah, you get rewarded for that mitzvah. If you help someone do an aver, if you help someone do a sin, you get you get part of that sin. You know what happened when all these news media coverage came out saying that Israel did this, even though it's blinked blatant lie? You know what happened? Throughout the entire world, U.S. and Israeli embassies are being attacked. Fires, fireworks, you know, ammunition. Who knows what? What damage? And you know whose fault this is? This is a fault of, of those of the media coverage. Who gave you permission to come to a conclusion? Of what you are using Al Jazeera? Who are you using? You using Hamas information? Uh, there was a joke uh, that that I've seen that you have a uh, kind of like New York Times. On a Zoom meeting with Palestinian, with Hamas terrorists, and be like, "What should our next headline be?" Because, like, obviously, we're looking to you—the most sophisticated, the most advanced, the most moral people in the world—we have to follow with what you're saying. Like, are you kidding me? This is the world that we're living in. We're coming to a conclusion that 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 is false, and even after proven, we don't see it. We don't see it again. <laughs> it, it's so hard to fathom how people could come to such a conclusion. Yet, not only it's happening, it's spreading out. And again, the Jewish people are asking, why? How is this even possible? And let me take this a step further. And we'll soon get to the point. I am making my point very, very deep before I before I clarify it. So bear with me on it. A lot of news coverage like to call out that Israel should retaliate. But they should retaliate in a proportional manner. Uh, The an exact code would be reasonable, proportional, proportionate, and a moral response. For anybody who has ever read anything about any war ever, nothing is proportional. You can't be you – know, what does proportional even mean? Be like, oh, so we should wait for like Gaza to have a music festival and then go murder about 300 people, capture about another 199, and then go into their towns and murder their babies and behead their babies and do knows who knows what else to the women and children? Is that, is, is that proportional? Is that what we should do? No war has ever been proportional. So why is it that the media coverage is screaming out proportional? They never said that when, nine, when, when Osama bin Laden attacked nine uh, America and took down the towers and the Pentagon and who knows what all, the other damage that, that he has done with thousands of American lives being lost. Did everybody in the news coverage say, wait wait a minute, no, you can't hurt terrorists, got to be proportional. No, they didn't say that. They didn't scream about, oh, wait a minute, humanitarian rights. Uh, America did what they needed to do. And now Israel is doing what it's needed to do with a thousand eyes looking down at it. That same eyes that is able to see exactly what the terrorists are doing, but yet they're not looking at that. Now doesn't this scream at you, wait a minute, what's going on over here? Do you not see something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing us? Is it not obvious yet? And if it's not, then let's take it a step further. You know, this news coverage is, is calling for, uh, you know, a proportionate response. W- what would you say a proportionate response? I saw this, I thought it was fascinating and hilarious at the same time, as much as I hope I can say that. And that was when Gilad Chalid was, uh, was released. You know what the, the, the transfer was? It was one hostage, Gilad Shalit, for 1027 prisoners. That was, the proportion was one to 1027. And if you want to use the proportional You know, respond to that. You know what one to one to 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 one thousand and twenty seven is? The thirteen hundred Israelis would equal to one point three million. You know, Gaza Hamas terrorists or whatever it is that you want to yeah, however it is you want to you want to clarify you know classify them. That's is that proportional? Is that the proportion that you want? Because that's what we gave for one of ours. We have to give back a thousand and twenty seven. So does that mean when they kill thirteen hundred of ours? We could do that times 1,027. Is that what's the proportion? So who is standing with the Palestinians? Who is standing with Hamas, better yet? You know, Israel sends... Messages. We spoke about this last week. They send leaflets, they send text messages, they make phone calls, they even do these noise bombs where they do a bomb and be like, hey, by the way, if you didn't get every other message we sent you, we are going to bomb this place. And by, when Israel bombs a place, that means they level a place. So it's best for you to get out. No one else does it. Russia didn't do that in Ukraine. No other army in the world does that. They don't say, hey, by the way, we're going to bomb you, but maybe get away from here because we don't want to hurt anybody. Nobody else does that. So proportional? How do you compare that with murdering innocent men, women, and children to like, hey, knock, knock, I want to take down this thing because you killed so many of ours, so please leave? Yet... Israel is still doing that. The most humanitarian thing possible that they are not responsible to do. And yet they still have these left idiots that they go and be like, no, but where are they going to go? You want to know where they're going to go? You know when the Israel dropped thousands of leaflets to tell tell you that they're going to bomb the place? They put a map over there in case you're, you know, nothing going on in your head over there. They were like, we're going to bomb here. You go here. Directions: Travel along the red line to this point. And if that's not bad, if, if that's not easy enough for you, they even say, we're not bombing between this time and this time, so please travel now. How, many, how much clearer can you be? How much clearer the, can you be in, in this situation? And yet the world still doesn't see this, and people are anxious about it. And again, we're going to take it a little bit deeper before we clarify and before we, un- we answer this. Many people, I thought it was only non-Jews, but after my last, uh, share, after the last class that we gave, I surprisingly got emails, messages, text messages from people, and I, I, I think, I really thank everyone that did reach out to me for that, that the Jewish religious orthodox, they were like, oh no, I, you, you know, you really opened my mind. I really thought that the Palestinian had some sort of, you know, like obviously they didn't, they, you know, they weren't justified, but they had some sort of reasoning of what they're doing. So many people are thinking that they're innocent. That most of them are innocent. And most of them want to live peacefully. And I'm not talking about Hamas over here. I'm going to be very controversial and I'm going to say I'm talking about the Palestinians. That many of them want to live peacefully. In fact, many say most of them want to live peacefully. And while that may be true to a certain extent, one word I wouldn't use and that most of them. Most of them I do not believe want to live peacefully. There is a widespread support from Palestinian Authority and from Palestine, for Hamas. Again, remember, they were an elected government. And this is going to shock you, but Palestinian Authority, not Hamas, the PA, will pay the families of these 1,500 terrorists, Hamas terrorists, that are dead, they're going to pay the families... Almost three million dollars this, just this month. The way that it works in the Palestinian Authority, for those people who think the Palestinian want peace, that every terrorist that is cl- killed in the line of duty, i.e. what does it mean the line of duty? A- a- attacking Israelis or being a martyr, the family receives, first of all, immediately about fifteen hundred dollars, American dollars. And then about three hundred and fifty three dollars per month that comes out to about fourteen hundred shekel per month, An allowance for life. If you have a family member that went and killed an Israeli person in cold blood, they reward them for that. They get an allowance. They pay for that. If they're married and if they have children, the terrorists, they get an even higher rate. And there was about 50 terrorists that were captured alive during this massacre. They're going to be getting salaries while they're in prison, meaning the PA, the Palestinian Authority, the ones that, oh yeah, we should make peace with, they're paying these terrorists. Oh, by the way, thank you for what you did for trying to murder Israelis. And we're paying you a monthly stipend. And if you're in prison, you get, you start off with 1400 shekel a month and it eventually goes up to 12,000 shekel a month, meaning that they're making it very, very financially beneficial for people to become terrorists. And if you're married with children, you get even more money. And you would want to say, like, where is all this money come from? How is the Palestinian Authority? How are they affording it? Well, again, the United States, the president of the United States, you know, we got to give him credit. What credit is due is standing up for Israel. But today they announced, President Joe Biden announced, that the U.S. government is going to give $100 million to support Palestinians. Where do you think that money is going? It's almost idiotic when you look, when you step, take a step back and when you look what's going on, you have America giving money to the Palestinian and America giving money to Israel. And granted, Israel way above it. And we're thankful for that. We have to, uh, we have to show Hakar's We have to show gratitude. Gratitude is due. America really stepped up. Joe Biden really stepped up and is supporting Israel. But let's not be fooled for a moment. And, you know, like there, there was a, uh, a meme that I saw where you see rockets being fired from Gaza and then the iron dome intercepting those rockets. And then above that in letters, you see above Gaza, you know, paid by the U.S. Tax, tax dollars, and above the Iron Dome, paid by U.S. tax dollars. This was all paid for it. And in fact, the way it went is a little bit around because U.S. released money to Iran, and Iran went and paid for all this, uh, you know, all this pleasantry, all these gift baskets that they're sending us. So you're looking at all these innocent Palestinians, and yes, many of them are, don't get me wrong many of them are and they don't deserve to die. I'm not saying that they deserve to die. I'm not saying that they should all be eradicated. Many of them are innocent. Many of them are are are, are really good people. I and I'll tell you personally I have people that are Arabic that are Islamic from you know from from origin they listen to shira they love the Jewish people. They just they want to be Jewish. They're scared to you know about it. You know from all Arabic countries. There are many people that are good they're they're scared they're stuck in a situation, but most of them, I don't believe so. I do not, uh, you know, I do not believe so. You know what? You know what they teach in Gaza? They teach kids, not college educated. They teach kids to hate Jews. They teach kids, children, to cause ter- terrorist attacks. There are camps. These are videos that Israel didn't put out. Hamas puts out. That kids and teenagers are trained to kill Jewish people, not to kill the army, to kill the Jews, kill the innocent men, women and children. And in fact, there's a game and the game is called Stab the Jew. And you can see this video is online where you see Palestinians are walking. They have these yarmulkes and then you have other. These are kids, other kids walking with knives and they go and they stab the Jews. And and this is the game that they're trained as little children. This is the education that they're getting in these places. And the education that the Palestinians and the people in Gaza are giving their children is not about love and peace for all those naive people. It's about hatred and murder. To take this a little bit further, Gaza is one of the most, if not the most densely populated area in the world. There are 199 hostages. Many of our children, our women are, is a one of them is a holocaust survivor, elderly. You're telling me that the people from Palestine, that they just won't be, they don't know where they are? How do you hide 199 people in such a densely populated, people know where they are. The Palestinians, the people in Gaza, they know where they are. The innocent people, they know exactly where they are. You can't, you can't hide so many. To a, a, make it very simple for you there was a french israeli citizen by the name of mia Shem, one of the hostages that came out in a video saying you know uh, you know they're treating me nicely but whatever all on, obviously under the, the 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 gun of gaza but they say over there she was in the hospital for 3 hours because she was injured we are the surgeons the doctors they didn't know that she was a hostage they didn't know about this United Nations, you think the, you think the <laughs> the humanitarian situations that are going on that they don't know exactly where these hostages are under which regulation of war is this allowed? Under if if they're so good and there's so many innocent people, why are they not stepping up and saying, you know what, this is not right? And now, granted, they can't say that. They can't they can't because you know the Hamas terrorists will kill them, but are they presenting this information to the IDF? there's plenty of ways to send this information to the IDF Are they doing that I don't know, I hope so. Chances are probably not maybe some are. I want to share with you something from uh, um, something we we shared before by the name of a woman by the name of Bridget Gabriel. she is a lebanese American conservative author um, she claims this is not this is again she From Lebanon, she claims that fifteen to twenty-five percent of the world's Muslim is Islamic people are plotting to attack the West. That means that fifteen to twenty five percent of Muslims are radical. Whatever this number it is, if it's true or not, I'll let you decide for that. I'm just presenting the information of what she 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 brings out. Right now there's one point nine billion Muslims in the world. If you take fifteen to twenty-five percent, that ranges between two hundred and eighty-five million to four hundred and seventy-five million radical Muslims. That's not a low number. That's a number of amount of people that live in America. That's how big that number is. Now you could say, well, most of them are peaceful, and you know what? In that, when you speak about most in in the Islamic world, I agree with you. They are peaceful. Most of them really are. But the most of them is irrelevant. Germans, most of them were peaceful. That was irrelevant. Six million Jews died. Sixty million people overall. Russia, historically, most of them were peaceful. Again, didn't make a difference because they were able to kill 20 million people. China, most of them were peaceful. Again, didn't matter because they were able to kill 70 million people. So when you look at this number, 15 to 25%, what do you think is the percentage in Gaza? And again... I do not want to scare anyone. I do not want to cause anyone anxiety. So skip over the the following thing because it will be not a fun fact. What percentage of people do you think live in Gaza that want to are radical and want to kill Jews? If you think fifteen to twenty five percent, then you're daydreaming because it's a lot higher than that. But you know what? Let's say twenty five percent. You know what? Twenty five percent of the two point two million people living in Gaza—that's five hundred and fifty thousand radical Muslims that want to kill. People in the West. That's not just Israel. That's America, Canada, Australia, just anywhere that's not Sharia law, anywhere that's not as Islamic, uh, you know, run. That's what they want to destroy. That's the best scenario. The realistic scenario is probably closer to 90, but even if we say it's 60% of what, Ga- you know, people in Gaza, because again, Maybe you could say it's not to their fault, and you know what? I, I'll probably agree with you that it's really not their fault because they're trained from when they're little kids to hate. So, so how do you blame them? Only a Baruch Hu can judge. We, we can't judge. But realistically speaking, I think 60% is a very fair number. You know what 60% of 2.2 2 million people are? That's 1.3 million people. 1.3 million people. That's a lot. You know, a lot, a lot, a lot of people that want Jews dead. So now, to just clarify what they are saying, and this is a direct quote, they love life, meaning the Jews, we love death. That is what Hamas is saying. Now, many people in the West are claiming that this Gaza is the world's largest open-ear prison. The world screams, this is barbaric. This is unhumane. There's a humanitarian crisis that's going on over here. What do you, what do you do to somebody that yells from the river to the sea? Meaning all Jews should die is what they're really saying. They're screaming all Jews should die. What should the Jews do? Should the Jews just open up and say like, oh, Bihava, please come in. You know, what really should be done is get rid of them. Someone that's... What the Torah tells us, if someone's coming to kill you, Hashkem Largo, you have to go and kill him first. You don't wait and be like, oh, let's see what's going to happen. No, you go and destroy. But Israel doesn't destroy them. They say, okay, wait, you want to kill us? And they're like, yeah, we want to kill you. I'm like, okay, so we're going to build a wall. <gasps> Barbarianism! And how could you build a wall and lock us in? But, like... If we we'll let you out, you're gonna kill us, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely kill everybody from the river to the sea. Yeah, we're gonna kill every single person over there. No doubt. Proof of the matter is, it just happened. Oh, you know, but like, okay, so I guess we're just gonna, we're just gonna build a wall to protect us. People don't realize the reason why the wall is there. And by the way, the wall is not only on Israel's side. It's also on Egypt's side. Yet, yeah, not a single news media, you know, speaks about that. Well, that's a little bit more on that later. The wall is there to protect Israelis, not to block in the Palestinians. The Palestinians, do whatever it is that you need to do, you want it to do. We're here to protect ourselves, and that's why we put a wall. And you know what the world is screaming? This is an open-air prison. Are you kidding me? What would you do? What would you do if you had people that are screaming to kill you? And you just look at, like, how... Humane, Israel is, again, I don't agree with everything, but let's like present facts. There are almost 7 million Arabs surrounding Israel, including in Israel. In Gaza, there's over 2 million. In the West Bank, there's 3 million. In Israel, meaning as an Israeli Arab, there are people that are in the Knesset that are Arabic, that are Islamic. In Israel, there's 1.6 million Arabs, in a nation that's what, almost 9 million? There's 1.6 million Arabs in the Israel as a citizen of Israel. How many Jews are in these Islamic countries? How many Jews are in Turkey? How many Jews are in Egypt? How many Jews are in Yemen? How many Jews are in Syria? How many Jews are in Iraq? How many Jews are in Jordan? Let me make it a little bit more simpler. How many Jews are in the West Bank? How many Jews are in Gaza? The answer is a fat zero, The Palestinians, the Arabs, they're all over. The Jews welcome them in. How many Jews are in the Arabic countries? Fat zero. There's none. This information is basic knowledge. You don't have to be a genius to learn this. So the question that I ask again and again is how is it that so many people around the world do not see this? How is it possible that so many people are blinded by evil? And this is something that unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know, however you want to say it, the Jewish world is glued to the media at this point. We care about our brothers and sisters in Israel. So how is it possible that so many people are supporting this? But then again, if we just stop for a second, because we're going to get even deeper. I know it's been a while, and I didn't get to my point yet, but I want to make my point very very clear but we we'll stop for a second and look at lessons in our own life we say how are so many people blinded to evil but we could also ask that in our own lives how many of us are blinded to the satan how many of us are blinded to the evil why is it that we needed this to bring us closer together as a nation why is it this that this is what brought us for, for achdus and you got to give credit where credits due. Mika amcha Yisrael. I have never in my life have seen such achdus for Klali Yisrael and Ken Yerbu. It's amazing. I love it, and I hope that it continues and grows. We have ne- I have never. I have never seen such unity among the Jewish people. Jewish people, were just a month ago, different factions, different seculars, you know, religious Orthodox, who hated each other, love each other, sing and dance together with each other. Just to give you an example that I heard a story maybe an hour ago, there was a rabbi in the IDF that said over the story, he's a soldier and he said that somebody came to his platoon and he said, I made um, 300 meals for the soldiers. And the, the soldier was like, okay, we have to speak to our rabbi to make sure that it's kosher. So he says, do you mind speaking to the rabbi? He says, no, not, not at all. This is a a random Israeli citizen. They brought him over to this rabbi and the rabbi, you know, says, you know, we really appreciate that you, you know, uh, you know, made for us 300 meals for our soldiers, but there is a kosher's question. Is it kosher? This is a religious, uh, uh, you know, platoon. So this secular, very obviously secular kibbutznik, someone from a kibbutz said, listen, he says, I want to tell you something. He said, there is only two times in my life, as a person living in Israel, there's only two times in my life that I spoke to a rabbi. You are the, the second time. The first time was somebody, a, a rabbi that I spoke to yesterday. Yesterday I called a rabbi and I said, I want to cook 300 meals for the Israeli soldiers. But I know that they're not all going to eat it unless it's kosher. So I want you to come. I want you to kosher my kitchen. I want you to show me what to do because I want to make sure that every Israeli Jewish soldier is able to eat my meal. And he said this is you're the second person that I ever spoke to relig- a rabbi in my life. And I want to tell you this is 100% kosher. Mika Amcha Israel. Who can ever the way that the world was working before this attack, it was just the divide between secular and orthodox, between the Haredi and the Chilonim, was just going greater and greater by the second. And all of a sudden, within a day, we are united like I have never seen before. Unbelievable. It's un believable the unity that we see the 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 achdos, the singing the outpouring and it's not just from for israel in america how much do we just send to israel we just care about them how many shuls are davening for the chayalim how many places are just saying to helen for the jewish soldiers secular not secular israeli palette the the arab you know the 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 um uh, yeah. Why? Why is this thing, uh, you know, slipping my mind? There are non-Jews that serve in the Israeli army. It's slipping my mind. I don't know. It's going to come to me in a second. This, Duzin? yes, thank you. The druzim. How we? Ha- thank you. How come everybody's davening for those that are supporting Israel? The achdas is unbelievable, and it's great, and it should continue. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is. Why did it take this to bring us good together? How are we blinded, so blinded by evil? The world is blinded by evil to now. But in a sense, we were also blinded. And we have to double down. There's o- it's only going to take a matter of time when things are going to cool off. And that they should cool off. But just when things cool off, we tend to cool off on our Kabbalahs, on our things. So you started saying to Tehillim, you started davening, you started keeping Shabbos, you started ripping off all, you know, destroying all your clothes that are not sneers. What's going to happen when this goes where? You're going to go back to your old ways? We have to make sure we double down. You know what never again means? Never again means that we double down and we make sure that it doesn't happen again spiritually speaking. So just like we see the world, and this is the second lesson, just like we see the world is blinded by evil, we can ask ourselves, are we also blinded by evil? What do we introduce into our homes that the Satan creates? What do we think the Satan brings in? How many of us introduce evil and Baruch Hu and the people in Shemaim are going like, wait a minute, it's so obviously evil. What are you doing? Just like we're screaming at everybody else, it's so evil. How can you side with them? We have to stop for a second and look into our own lives and what we're doing and be like, wait a minute. What's evil in our own lives that we have to eradicate? Let's take this a step further. I know it's getting late, so bear with me. Because this point I need to, I need to get, I need to come across. And by the way, this is all just an introduction to what I'm going to say. It's not going to be that long. I'm going to bring my point fairly quickly, but this is all just showing you how blatantly blinded the world is. Russia, China, Turkey, Iran, Syria, and many, many more are calling out Israel for human rights violation. Now there's an organization called the Human Rights Watch. uh, You know that they're calling they're calling out all these uh, you know all these countries and whenever there's a human rights violation. Let's look at these countries one by one. Russia, which is very obviously known for executing, torturing, beating civilians, have come and say, "Wait a minute, there is a human violation going on over here." And now. I don't know how how you can be less blinded by this and be like, they're literally massacring like their own and people nearby them in Ukraine, and they're coming out and saying, wait a minute, this is a violation over here. What's going on with Israel? How do you denounce Israel? I don't know. But that's what's going on, and people are like, yeah, somehow people do not make that connection. I don't know how. China is another country that's calling human rights violation on Israel. China has a coercive population control. They have forced labor. They torture, they abuse, they repress religious expression, they do many, many more. Yet the China, China the, the Chinese foreign minister, Wang Yi, says they're warning that Palestine is in a critical situation. Wait a minute. Murderers, terrorists are in a critical situation? Isn't that good? Like, don't we want terrorists to be eradicated? Why would anybody want... This is not a political movement. This is not a political movement. Will be like let's come to some sort of peace agreement. This is not from the river to the sea. That's not political. That's genocide is what they want. China has zero. They didn't condemn Hamas once from the start. And you know, there's there's a professor from Tom King University, who focuses on China-Israel relations. Does he want to know why China did not denounce Israel once? By the way, you know, as I'm giving you this information, I'm wondering, like, I don't think you guys need to listen to news. I could just give you guys the news because technically that's what I'm doing right now. But we'll soon see what the point of all this is. But this professor, you want to know why he said that China is not denouncing Israel? There's financial reasons behind it. They want to score points with the Arab countries. And they know if they denounce Israel, Israel, the Arab countries are going to go against them. Like, so they're, it's all financial at this point. And in fact, CNN... You know, <laughs> that they are, but they said that weapons that are used by Hamas appear to be Russian and China, Chinese made. So it makes sense why they're going and siding with, with this, uh, with this side. The fact that Syria is, is screaming human rights is, is like beyond cap- beyond understanding. They literally murdered hundreds of thousands of their own of their own and not too long after that they're saying well a humanitarian crisis over here i i don't know how the 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 world can take this information and be it, it when i'm reading this information i'm like wait a minute the, this is a joke right they're like this can't be real right you can't tell me that turkey iran and egypt are over here denouncing like are you kidding me like what like this got to be a joke But it's not. And that's the scary part. It's not. Egypt is adding reinforcement, preventing, from preventing these people in Gaza from going into Egypt. Islam and Islam. Guys, you're one of the own. It's your brothers. Take them in. Humanitarian aid. Take them in. Why are you not taking them in? No, they're blocking them out. You want to know why? Because nobody wants terrorists. They know that they can't vet out Hamas. And who knows how much of Gaza is Hamas. Israel put itself in a situation that I don't know how they're going to get out of. Only if Siata of Hashem's mercy. I don't know how. How many people, the 2.2 million people, are Hamas-oriented and just want to destroy? Ga- Egypt knows Gaza has that. That's what they don't want them. No country wants them. Yet it's Israel's responsibility to take care of them. Oh, what are you doing with the, with the electric and the water? Why should I supply with the enemy, with, with, with infrastructure? Why? Why? Can you begin to think about that? Now, for many of you that are listening this class this year, you're, you're like, yeah, you agree with 100% of what I'm saying. So then you come to a conclusion and be like, wait a minute. So how come the world is not... And it doesn't make any sense. The riots, the rallies, these are, you know, like all over the world. This is a small country. Israel is a tiny country. There's riots throughout the entire world because of this. And you see people interviewing. I believe it was Fox News, but don't quote me on it. You see them interviewing protesters. And they're like, you know, we should stop the massacre, right? And they're like, yeah, you have to stop the massacre. And yeah, we should stop the murder of Israeli babies. And the other person that they're, they're like, wait, what? They're like, yeah, and the, the journalist is like, we should stop the murder of Israeli children. And you know what the protester says about like, we didn't see any, any, you know, information on that proving it. It all, it's all made up. You know what these people and these are not very, very obviously not Arabic origin, which I would understand. These are American. These are Australian. These are Canadian. These are European people that are saying that, no, this didn't happen. The the massacre of the Jewish babies didn't. This is what they're saying. They're saying it didn't happen. It's all made up. It's all made up. All major news coverage covered this. Hamas themselves came out and said, hey, by the way, we did this. Not only did we do this, we live streamed it. The information is coming from us. Not only did we do it, did we live stream it, we're proud of it. We celebrated it in all our countries. And yet there are people who are like, we don't believe you. No, you know, like you have someone says, no, I murdered this person. I destroyed this person and they were like no i don't believe you oh no wait but we have video proof showing that we did this nope fake and you have people that are celebrating that jewish babies died fake how dumb can you be how idiotic can the world be the the the, the people like like you come to a conclusion be like wait a minute and this is a source of major anxiety for many people there was another interview where Somebody went and they were like the the journalist was like yeah we should denounce the the beheading of babies and all you going you were like yeah we should denounce it denounce it and then at the end they were like by the way we're talking about Israeli babies right I'd be like wait no we're talking about Gaza babies And they be like no Ga- Gaza babies were not beheaded you know like Israeli babies were beheaded and they were like in shock be like no it's it's Gaza that's that's the <laughs> the victim over here not Israel that's a victim and they were like no we have proof that it was very obvious it was Israel and they were like no that that it's not true. You're talking about how people can deny the Holocaust. This is Holocaust denying in real time the, I mean, I have so much more that I want to to speak about. We'll have to save it for a different time. We didn't even begin to speak about what goes on in colleges and during there. But you start asking, be like, "Wait a minute, like how blind can people be like it's so obvious. How could there be so many people?" that are blinded how could it be countries that are against israel at this point point? and we think we need israel on our side we need people on our we need we need people on our side we need america on our side we need we need we need and i want to share with you the point the point that i, I had a lot more ways to, ex, to expand on this but because of late hour i'm going to skip a few things i'm going to get to the point point. and that is everything that i spoke until now was just drilling in on how obvious it was that israel's right and how blinded the world uh, is that Israel is wrong. And I want to share with you the point behind all this. This entire rant that I went to. this entire news coverage that I went to for for one major point, and that is from this week's parsha. And this is, you know, Rabbi Fran brings us down that the pasuk in this week's parsha, Noach, in Bereishis, the eleventh chapter, the fourth pasuk, we know the famous tower, the famous tower that the generation of the flood, right after the generation of the flood, they wanted to build a tower. Now, the Medrash goes and, and, and comments, what was the purpose of this tower, and what happened with this tower? So the Medrash says that what happened with this tower is that there, a third of this tower was burnt, a third of this tower sunk to the ground, and a third of this tower still remains in existence. Now, Rabbi Fran brings down Rav Nissen Alpert. Rav Nissen Alpert was a Talmud, a student of Rav Moshe Feinstein. And he brings an explanation from another Midrash. And listen to this, because this is going to make everything so clear. And the Midrash is: what was the reason, what was the motivation behind the Tower of Babel? What was the reason that people built a huge tower? And this is based off a in Beratius, chapter 11, verse one. And that's the beginning of this description of what happened over here with the, the building of the Tower of Babel. And it's, it, the, the Pasuk goes and says, The entire land, the entire world was one language. And they spoke unified words. Now, on this Pasuk, the Medrash has three different opinions on what's going on. Why did they build? What was the motivation behind being, building the Tower of Babel? So one of the mo- one of the interpretation was that it, it was uh, that the dvarim achadim literally that it, it means that they were united. Dvarim achadim means that there was uniform, it was united. They all spoke one language and they were very very united. There was a common cause and the common cause was a new world order, a universal government they wanted to build. A second opinion is dvarim achadim. Dvarim achadim chad comes from sharp. They were doing sharp words. What was the sharp words? Explains the medrash. This is referring to they were fighting sharply against against HaKadosh Baruch Hu, They were challenging God. They wanted to battle God. And in fact, they put a sword on top of this Tower of Babel. They wanted to fight God. And the third opinion of what was the motivation behind this was that they wanted to prevent a future flood. A flood just happened. And they thought the reason why the flood happened is that the, every so often the sky caves in. The world caves in and there's a flood. So let's build a big tower and we'll hold up the sky, that it shouldn't cave down. Explains the Ruff Albert. So these are three philosophies in life, in life, and, and listen to this, because it's going to give you such clarity. One of the philosophies was burnt, no longer exists. The second philosophy has sunk, which means is that sometimes it comes up, it submerges, and once in a while it, you know, it, it peeps its head up. But the third of them is still alive and still well. Now let's explain. The first philosophy, will, we will wage war against God. That's, that's destroyed. That's been burnt. There's no, nobody wages war against God. In fact, many people, since from the Crusades to Jihad, they wage war in the name of God. They don't wage war against God. If you want to say atheism, atheism is indifferent to, to a certain extent. So really, what's going, this, this ideology was burnt, was destroyed. That's the first one. It was no longer, it's no longer around. The second one, is the new world order, the unity. They all spoke one language. They were united. They wanted to make one government. This philosophy pops its head up every once in a while and tries, but it always it always fails. It always submerges itself. And that is we saw after World War I, the nations of the world, they try to form a new world order. One government, one unity. They called it the League of Nations. This didn't last long until World War II. After World War II, another attempt called the United Nations. Obviously, anybody that knows anything about news knows that United Nations is a joke. It's a fad joke. It's it's it, like at at this point, I don't know who listens to them. It's like whatever. Yeah, you just talk and do your own thing. Meet upon yourself. It's a bunch of like you know people are playing dress up. You know, like they're nonsense. They're useless. Meaning that this ideology of having a one world government... You know, pops his head up every once in a while. Until Mashiach comes, it's not gonna, it's, the, the, it's not gonna stand. But the third philosophy. The third philosophy still exists and still stands. And that is that we have to build a tower to prevent another flood. That is the people of the, of, of the generation, of the, of the flood. What do they say? You know what the problem was? It was nature. Every so often, nature goes and nature destroys itself. Every so often, nature collapses and there's a flood and we have to go and we have to protect ourselves. And that's why we're going to build a huge tower to hold up the sky. So that there's not going to be any more floods. You know what the common, you know what the the more modern terminology of this is? Never again. You know how people say after the Holocaust? Never again. Every so often... The Jews get destroyed. Never again. You, know, you want to know how we're going to stop it? We're going to have the strongest army in the world. We're going to have the strongest intelligence in the world. We're going to have a very strong air force. We're going to have accuracy that we could pinpoint exactly where we want to bomb. And that's how we're going to do never again. Because we're going to build a tower because this is all nature. And we saw very obviously... That you can't say never again because never again happened in a certain extent, and a very so happened this with this 14, 13, 13 to fourteen hundred people massacre. Don't say never again. You know what people said before this? They didn't say ani in Ani in I believe in the IDF. IDF couldn't protect us from this. The Israeli intelligence couldn't protect us from this. The Mossad couldn't protect us from this. But you know where we put our trust? Unfortunately. In the Israeli intelligence, in the IDF, in the Israeli government. You want to know what the Chobos al says tells us in the introduction to Shahar that a person who doesn't trust in Hashem, but trusts in someone else, Hakadish Baruch who says, you know what, you trust in the other person, I'm going to take a step back. You trust in that person, let that person protect you. We trusted falsely in so many wrong areas. And you know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed us? You can't trust in them. The Beis Alevi brings it very clearly. If you trust in anyone or anything other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not only HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not help, he will bring a curse. And he brings a proof of this from the, the, the Pasuk in <inaudible> beAdam," Cursed is a man that trusts in a man. The <inaudible> Tehillim. Chapter 146, verse 3 tells us, do not trust in generous people. The then Adam Shain Lighteshua like in mankind which has no salvation. We can't trust in people, in intelligence. We have one source and one source only to trust, and that is Akadesh Hu. Yosef Atadik in Baratius. You want to look it up, chapter 40, verse 23. It says, <speaking> Famous pasuk That the Saramashkim did not remember Yosef and he forgot him. Everyone asked, what's with the double Russian? What's with the double language? Why does it say that he didn't remember Yosef and he forgot him? What's the redundancy? And Rashi explains, you know, that they failed to remember Yosef and he completely forgot all about Yosef listen to what the bomb says. And it's true. By the way, everything. I did not mean to come out like, you know, Rashi says 100% true. Not the, but listen, but the point is what I want to say, what the bomb brings down. The bomb says that if a person relies on natural means, you know what HaKadosh Baruch says? You're relying on natural means. You're relying on people. Go ahead. I'm going to leave you to the natural way. Yosef relied on natural efforts. Yosef was relying on the Saramashkim. He was relying on the cupbearer. You go and you tell about my situation to Paro and tell him that I'm innocent. Yosef relied on this person. And you know what, what happened? You're relying on this person? No problem. Let's see what happens. And you know what happened? This person is human. He forgot. And until he Kept on like hoping for this person. Yosef was not saved. And listen to what the, how the Rashbam explains it. The and this is the bina L'itim also brings this down. The lozachar asar hamashkim and Yosef. Asar hamashkim did not remember Yosef vayishkachehu and he forgot about him. Says the Bin li'itim. You know what it means vayishkachehu and he forgot about him. That's referring to Yosef. Yosef for years, for two years, he was relying on the cupbearer. Remember me and save me from where I am. But after two years of not being saved, the kapir, the sarah forgot about it. Finally, Yosef was the one, Yo, the, the pasuk When the Pasuk says, V'loi Saramashkim sarah as Yosef, that's referring to the sarah mashkem. He didn't remember Yosef, but Vayishkechayu, that's referring to Yosef at Tadik. He forgot about sarah mashkem. For two years, he relied on sarah mashkem. You're going to help me. You're going to save me. But the second that Yosef aishkachehu that he forgot about Sarah and he said I don't know I have no one to rely on only on Hakadosh Baruch I can only rely on Hakadosh Baruch all of a sudden the next pasuk that he all of a sudden the end came Yosef got redeemed explains the Arachayim Paro had the dream. Again, I'm giving you a, like a, a lot of information that, you know, didn't clarify everything because it's late and I want to bring to my point. But Par had a dream, a disturbing dream that he needed Yosef to interpret it. The Arachim said he had this dream for every single night for two years. You know when Yosef got redeemed? You know when Yosef had the opportunity to go and interpret the dream? The second that Yosef forgot about Saramashim and he remembered that it's only God. That's when Paro remembered the dream, and he says, I need a dream interpreter. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him this dream for two years straight, just waiting for Yosef just to rely on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But he didn't. So, when Paro woke up, he forgot about the dream. But when finally Yosef forgot about Saramash, and he only focused on God, now... Power remembered the dream. Now power said, I need a dream interpreter. Now power said, who's going to interpret my dream? And now Yosef got freed and Yosef got raised up to the level that he was. You want to know the questions that we've asked this entire class, which may seem like a current events class and nothing else other than that. But if you stuck around for this long then I'm going to ask you the question that I ask numerous times. How is it possible that the world is supporting Hamas? How is it possible that the world is supporting the Palestinian Authority? How is it possible that countries are supporting Palestinian Authority? How is it possible that even America, who is supporting Israel very strongly, is giving $100 million to the Palestinian Authority? Because you want to know, again, one of the many reasons. I am don't know why Akadosh Baruch is doing it. I'm just bringing out one lesson that we can learn. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees, you know what, we're going to rely on the IDF, we're going to rely on the Mossad, we're going to rely on Israeli intelligence, we're going to rely on America, who supports us non-stop, we're going to rely on the other nations of the world, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take a step back and be like, you want, to, you want to rely on the other nations of the world? Look what happens when you rely on the other nations of the world. We have to come to a realization that We have nobody, no one, to rely on, only on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When you look at the news and you say it doesn't look good for Israel, it doesn't matter. When you look at the news and you say the nations are going against us, it doesn't matter. When people are blinded and they can't see the truth and they're siding with the side of evil, it doesn't matter. What matters is who we rely on you want to know why one of the many reasons why maybe HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing that the world is supporting Hamas supporting Palestinians HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us stop relying on the world how many times it's so obvious evil is knocking on your door how can you be so blind it, there's only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. there's only me there's nothing else says Hashem There's nothing else that we could rely on. And yes, we're grateful. We have tremendous akar for American government, for giving us, and everybody, non-Jew and Jew apart, that supports us. We have tremendous gratitude. Not denying the fact. But we don't rely on them. We rely on God and nothing else other than God. And when we start relying on Hashem, then we can see the miracles. These days we have the opportunity it's giving to us not daily, hourly, by the minute, that we could work on our Amuna and realizing that there's nothing else other than Akadish Hu. We can come to such a we, we Akadish Hu is giving us throwing it in, in our direction the tests of imuna We have to say Enod Milvado people are getting anxious the world is siding with Hamas there are many people that are siding with terrorism there are many countries in the world that are siding with terrorism what's going to be with Iran what's going to be with Lebanon what's going to be with Gaza we have all these questions and what are we going to do you want to know what we should do <inaudible> we have nothing to rely on other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu. and that is the whole point of what I'm coming to, to bring out Tonight, I, for the past hour, we've went and we have spoken on how obvious it is that Israel's right. And how obvious it doesn't, that, that it just doesn't make any sense that people are supporting terrorism. But at the same point in time, how obvious is it that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is just telling us, rely on me. I got you. You are my people. I will take care of you. Don't rely on everybody, anyone else. Yes, we have to do our Ishtadlas. Yes, we have, the people that are in our army, we have to fight. And the people, we have to do the, everything politically, everything from all areas, we have to do. I don't, I, I don't saying that, I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't need to do the Ishtadlas. You do need to do the Ishtadlas, but I feel like the area where people get anxious, what would the world think? That gives you an opportunity to work on your Amuna. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. It doesn't matter how it looks. It doesn't matter if Israel's coming out on top or if Israel's coming out on bottom. We have nothing to rely on other than HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We don't rely on anyone else. Because if we rely on anyone else, says the Sha'ar B'tachan, says the Chobos Al-Vavos, Rabbeinu it says, if you rely on anybody else, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you know what? Let them take care of you. We don't want that. We want to tell HaKadosh Baruch Brahu, we rely only on you. We look at the news of the world, and we get anxious. We look at the news, and we get anxious. We look at everything, and we, you know what our, our, one of our tough kids right now? It's Amuna. But what does it mean, Amuna? Amuna doesn't mean like, oh, Akadish Brahu is going to take care of us, we don't have to worry about anything. That would be great if it was, if the, if the sentence just ended there. But the sentence continues and the continuation of that sentence is that yes we have to rely only on Akkadesh Baruch Hu, but what are we doing for that are we doing Tshuva are we doing Meis and Peifen are we learning Torah are we ha- increasing in our achdos? are we increasing in our Atznias are we increasing in our Shmir sanayim? what are we doing going and signing petitions to ban college professors is not the task of what a Yid needs to do right now what a yid needs to do right now is to go and increase in their and taifim, in the Torah, in their learning, in their praying, in everything spiritual is what we need to do because we have to realize Hakid Hu is sending us a signs, We have nobody other than God. Palestinians are saying the same thing, Allah Akbar, before they blow themselves up and before they murder every single person in their vicinity. What are we saying? We're coming and we're seeing the news. We're seeing what's going on. We're supporting and we should, financially, in all areas, whatever we can, pro-Israel, pro-the-IDF, pro-everything that the Jewish nation is doing. But who are we relying on? Akadosh Baruch Hu showed us very clearly, there's nothing, nothing that we can, no one that we can rely on other than Akadish Baruch Hu. So let us show Akadish Baruch Hu that we don't rely on anyone else other than you by doing tshuva, maysim everything that we spoke about in the previous classes just what are we doing to step up to the plate you want to support israel you want to support you know the the war say do something spiritually that shows a kedish that we know the origin of all this we know the source of all this, and we're here to say we're back. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, we're coming back to you. We're not. We fell before, but we're not going to fall again. You don't need to send us any more reminders. We are coming back, and you want to know what the what the what the slogan of never again means? That's when we're telling Hakadosh Baruch Hu, you never have to remind us again. Because we know that we're Jewish, we're proud that we're Jewish, and we're going to do what's right and what needs to be done. And that's getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. With that, let us say a kapitel to Helen, to all our fellow brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should watch over them and bring no more harm to the Jewish nation. We're going to say again, capital Kuflamid. Say it together with me. Even if you're listening to this on a recording, say the Tehillim. One capital. that's all I'm asking. Shira ma'lois, mi mama kim karasi ha adoinai. Adoinai Aznecha abe koili, tien azne a Im avoinai tishmaria, adoinai mi amoid. Ki imcha haslicha lemantivarei. Ki viz ya doinai ki ipsa nafshi, vilidvarei hai chalti. Nafshi la doinai mi shamim la baiker, shamrim la baiker. Yachal Yisrael el adoinai, ki imadena yachesedvar bai mai fedus. Vuhu, yiftaes Yisrael mi kalavainesav. Achenu kalbais Yisrael, hanesunim We'll open up for questions. Actually, before we open up for questions, I just want to make it very clear. This class was not a regular class. We went very heavily in current events. The whole purpose of the current events is just to bring the point home, I can't bring it any clearer, that no matter how obvious it is, you have to realize that the world is blinded. And if the world is blinded, then we have only one place to focus on. But while that being said, you have many, many people in the world that see the truth, and they see that Israel is on the right and they're on Israel's side and we thank them and we appreciate them and we want their continued support. That's the that we need to do. We're not denouncing that but the main focus realize who you have to rely on. Okay, let's go for the questions and we'll end it off. Oh wow, it's late. Okay. Why do we say we can't judge the Palestinians for being brainwashed to kill? Humans don't need to even believe in God to know that killing is wrong. It's a Noahide law. It's not blaming the Nazis for killing the Jews because... Excellent question. I don't know that I could say honestly, deep down, that I can judge the Palestinians because you're right, I agree with you. But at the same point in time, we're not God. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers that. But with that being said, the aspect of killing innocent people... That, I don't see a way that they can't be judged for that. Like, that, no, there, there's no there's no two ways about it. And that part, I do agree with you. Next question. Do you think it's unsafe to stay in these countries and we should all move to Israel? <laughs> I have a lot to say about this, actually. Um, it's it, it, If you're able to move to Israel, by all means, you should. But it depends on a, a lot of factors of where you're holding, uh, you know, spiritually. Let's be honest. It's not safe anywhere it's not safe anywhere uh you know like you you look you know i have way too much to speak about it maybe we'll speak about a different a different class but the real the the, the simple answer to that is you have to really look and there's a lot of factors how are you going to do spiritually how are your children doing how's your husband doing how there's so many factors before you move to israel that you have to ask yourself okay um who was the al jazeera reporter who wrote about hamas as far as she's still alive uh, I don't know if she's still alive i I would hope so um uh uh but the name i i you know i did mention um I'll tell you now if you want to know the name again, I have to find i wrote it down hold on just one second. last name was like kahan farida khan that was that was her name um I hope she's still alive, but it's a good question and thank you for the kind words. Okay, next question. Wasn't Yosef doing his hashtags by asking the Yesara yeah, Mashkim to remember him? He was. He was. And just like us, we have to do our hashtags. We have to go and we have to show support where support is done. We have to go and we have to rally our senators and, and we should do every- that is. 100% true. That we should do our ishtadlos. And I don't, you know, that, that's not my message that we shouldn't do any ishtadlos. We do need to do our ishtadlos. But after we do our ishtadlos, do we rely on a senator? Do we rely on the government? Do we rely on the president? Or do we rely on a Kaddish baruchu? Meaning that we should do our ishtadlos, but then who do we rely on? Okay. What about, next question. What about Satanism? Their rituals are all about making fun of holy things by doing, discussing, impure- Could they be fighting the war against God? Interesting question. I, to be honest, the whole thing's regarding this, that, that entire cult. I believe it's more, uh, again, I didn't do enough research on it, but from my minimal research on it, it seems like they just want to delve into their desires. Cause you look at all their, their rituals. It's all very immoral rituals. So they just try to do it. I don't think they believe in it. They just want to use an excuse for immorality. Okay. Um, some rabbis are saying we need to get out of the big cities. What is your take? Um I, I don't see what what was the reason to get out of the big cities. Like like it's dangerous everywhere and you have to rely on a baruch Barhu. I, I I don't uh I didn't hear about that. Um okay, people are saying Mashiach is around the corner. How do you focus on something when the my feeling of Shia is approaching? So it's actually thank you for the question on Mashiach. There's been you know, since since uh last class I was thinking about like speaking about Mashiach and nah, I spoke a little bit about it last week. I might, maybe, depending on what's happening in the current week, maybe we'll do a class on uh, Mashiach and the current event. To a certain extent, I don't know, because I have, I have a lot of mixed feelings on 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 how to present this information and current events regarding uh, Mashiach. But maybe we'll speak about that in the coming class, maybe. Well, I'll have to see. I, I have to, like, process a few things, and we have to see how things come out. In any case, thank you all for joining us. That was the final question. Until next week, may Hakadosh Baruch watch over the entire Jewish nation. May we hear only good news this week and the coming weeks, and may Hakadosh Baruch pay back those that really need deserving of those uh, paybacks. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by Torahanytime.com.